Hello. I'm by myself. Okay. <laughs> so first, I'd just like to start off by saying thank you guys for everyone who supported me and prayer and financially. I don't know who you are, but thank you. <laughs> it has changed, truly changed my life just going there and experiencing all I did. Um, yeah, Costa Rica, those of you who are going are going to love it. It is amazing. And yeah, made a lot of good friends, met a lot of cool people. We did a lot of ministry in Costa Rica from praying for random people on the street to doing homeless ministry and feeding people who, mostly drunk people who needed some food. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad kind of mindset that a lot of Costa Ricans have down there. Most of them would say they're Catholic, but they're truly lost down there and families are really broken. Um, so that was what we were working on, mainly down there. Uh, but yeah, we hung around a few different bases there in YWAM, two different YWAM bases, and spent a month in each one uh, for the outreach part of it. And yeah, that's the short, long and short of it. Awesome. Thank you, David. Why don't you tell me one thing that you, <laughs> I'm going to keep you up here a little what is, the, what is the one thing that you think that impacted you the most that you will take with you the rest of your life? Hmm. Well, for one, I'm up here. <laughs> okay. Nice. So is sharing in front of other people, that would be like a growth point for you? Yeah, being less nervous about it. Awesome, man. If she would have asked me before DTS, I probably would have said maybe next week. But... <laughs> Awesome. That's pretty cool, man. Okay, now tell me one thing. Oh, I said Ben? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't even realize. David, hey, tell me one more. Uh, I want you to tell me one thing that was like just for everyone to hear. Because when you go on a missions trip, um, it is wild. And you don't know what to expect. And things happen. And I just want to hear one story, if you can think of it, that you think is like the most embarrassing or the funniest thing that happened? Something that you just like don't want to talk about but I'm making you talk about right now? I think of one. My mind's just going blank when I have to think about it. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, well, if you, if you come up with something. What happened? Yeah, or you could, uh, some of the most, the most awesome thing. Okay, I could name one real quick. Okay. Well, we had a day where we were just let loose by our leaders to go around uh, San Jose, and yes. So we just kind of prayed to God as what we would do next, and just prayer after corner after corner, which direction we should go. We'd all point in the same direction, typically, or the same general direction. And at some point, me and three others, we had split into two groups, and three other girls just uh, were going corner to corner. Nothing was really happening. And eventually, we came to a pet store, and we just... Like, the girls were like, pet store, let's go in. <laughs> and so we went in, and we went up to the cashier, and we asked if we could pray for her, and she just started bawling. We were her answer of prayer for her uh, from God as to what she should do next and whether she should wow. pursue him more and, like, give up social media was her next step to just dive into him deeper. That was a cool moment. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, when you go on, uh, YWAM is full of stores like this, whether it's in the DT, uh, during the lecture phase, which is the first part of the school he did called DTS. Three months of lecture where he gets to learn. He was over in Wyoming, 
and he got to be filled and taught and discipled with a group of people, and then they went out to Costa Rica together to serve and to, um, the, the, the whole motto of YWAM is to know God and to make him known. So that's what he did. D- uh, David and all of us that supported him and prayed with him through this went to know God more and then, to ma- and then made him known more in Costa Rica. So why don't you just give one more round of applause for David, and we're just happy to have you home. One last question. What is next for you? Do you have any idea? No. So if you can, it's okay if you no. don't. He's got no idea. So <laughs> that's okay. That's like most of us at your age. What am I going to do next? <laughs> awesome, man. You can go sit down. Thank you. Make sure you get that on your way back in here. Uh, Open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I have to put in a a special plug. If she is watching, uh, dear uh, sister in the Lord, uh, Pam Burrow, she and her husband, Carl, uh, were in our church uh, for a couple years. Uh, Carl went to be with Jesus, and he was from the East Coast and was a devout Eagles fan. and so he was so thrilled when the Eagles won the Super Bowl last time. And so uh, I love you, Pam, if you're watching. She, she moved to be closer to family in Spokane. And I see her often on our, our uh, live stream. So maybe she's watching this morning as well. Um, Today, if you, if you have your Bibles or a Bible in the seat, if you'd like to turn there, I want to read a portion from chapter 3. My sermon is called Putting Off and Putting On. Have you ever been put off by someone? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Eagles fan. <laughs> by, by Eagles fan. Okay, you're put off by an Eagles fan. All right. How about have you ever put yourself off? Let me think about that one for a second. Usually we're put off by someone uh, when we are disappointed or we lose interest or we become literally disgusted. Now, you could be disgusted in Eagles fans if you want to be. But being put off is different than just putting something off, right? Um, It's like it's not just delaying or procrastinating. That's not what it means by being put off. But you can be put off by putting you or something else off. Do you get that? Well, I want to talk about what being put off is a little bit, about what we can do to put ourselves off. Uh, Since the beginning of this year, we've been talking about being missionally minded. About That's our, our theme for this year is being together on mission. And what does that look like? So the last couple months... Uh, until now, we've been just talking, and we're going to just continue this theme, if you will, about being more missionally minded, outward focused, and uh, you know, just learning what it is. Like like Andrew said, a YWAM theme. I adopt that myself to know God and to make Him known. That's what our our purpose is: to love God and to love people as well. What does that look like? So today, as we read. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to see about what this putting off and putting on is all about, and following Jesus' example, what that looks like, and becoming like him. 
So let's start in verse 1. Let's read through this first uh, portion. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. But you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, just about what it means, about putting off our old self. And Lord, learning what it is to walk a holy life. What it is to be put on and clothed with who you are, Lord. May we understand this more about what this looks like so that we may be missionally minded people, so that we may know you and make you known today. In Jesus' name, amen. From our reading today, I want to help you get put off, but in a good way, right? Uh, if someone asks you how church was today, just tell them that you were really put off, you know, and see, see what type of reaction that you get from someone on that. But today, I want to, first of all, as Paul writes this to this church in Colossae, that he says that we need to put off the old man. And if you understand that, or maybe you don't understand what that fully looks like in your life. I want to see what this is talking about. That Paul writes that if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been raised with him, uh, or other translations say, since you have been raised with Christ, seek or put your heart on things above. What does that look like? That I start to think about heavenly things. Not just the things of this life and earthly, uh, things that we're so consumed with every day. Uh, I talked a little bit about this last week as well when we looked at the Lord's Prayer and I was uh, emphasizing um, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray to ask for his will as it is in heaven. 
So when I was describing that as it is in heaven, that we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, that we, we don't just live uh, this life and, and live an earthly, worldly life, but we're called to a higher standard. We're called to, and we also to live in such a way that as it is in heaven, that we, we call those things and declare what God has done and the kingdom power that rules and reigns in us should happen here on earth just as it does in heaven. So I was emphasizing that last week. And Paul begins a section here where he focuses on, you may say, practical Christian living with this understanding that practical Christian living is built on the foundation of theological truth. Uh, Because if we know and we believe that Jesus is really raised from the dead, then our identification with him becomes real. I live in, I don't just believe uh, it's a fairy tale. I believe this is real. This really happened. Jesus raised from the dead. And my identification with, is with him. That I am a child of God. That should change everything about us. That we don't just live a life, you know, going, well, I just can't wait till I die so I can go to heaven. But heavenly living really starts right now. It really does. That we are changed by God. And it is only because we are raised with Christ that we can uh, seek those things above. Uh, And we have to ask ourselves, do I truly believe this truth? Do I believe this and do I live this way? That I am raised with Christ. When I accept Christ, that we are changed. We are made new. Our spirit is born again. We are new creatures in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And yet then in that same process of, of healing our soul wounds, if you will, God will heal those things and he will change us from glory to glory. But if you read chapter 2 of Colossians as well, you'll find the idea of being raised with Christ when Paul was talking about uh, being baptized as well. So I want to read a couple verses from that in verse 12 and 13 he says having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us of all our trespasses so in that he's saying that we are buried with him. And if you have been water baptized, you, you understand this, or hopefully you understand this. That when we're baptized, and it's important to be baptized because you're signifying that before witnesses, before spiritual family and, and friends, that I am dying in the waters of baptism. I'm, in a sense, being buried, the old man is being put off or dead. I'm recognizing that that I'm being then raised up into new life in Christ. What you already do on the inside of your heart, you're signifying publicly before people that I'm declaring my faith in Jesus Christ. And it is so important. It's actually not even a suggestion. It's a command that we are to repent and be baptized. So it's important to be baptized because Christianity, our faith, is never meant to be a secret. It's meant to be declared and and uh, 
told, he said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So we have to realize the importance of that, of declaring who we are in Christ. It's a symbolic uh, declaration of our faith, of the death to the old man and being resurrected from the dead, if you will. Therefore, since we die to those things from our former life, we should be more eternally minded than just earthly minded people, right? Because we are raised with Christ, we should live as Jesus did when he was resurrected. When Jesus was resurrected, Jesus left the tomb. He walked out of the tomb and so should we, right? He walked out of that. He's not dead anymore. Uh, we're not dead anymore, and we don't have to reside there anymore either. But sometimes I see Christians that are still hang, clinging on to their, their former dead life, right? It's, they're still uh, in bondage to some things because they haven't learned to walk in the Spirit rather than they're still struggling in their soulish ways. They're still struggling in their, in their, their flesh, if you will. I'm still carnally minded and I'm still struggling with those sin issues. But after resurrection, Jesus, you know, he, was, he left the tomb, and we need to also. After his resurrection, Jesus spent his remaining time uh, ministering with his disciples over that period of days. And, and so a reminder to us that we need to be ministering to people. We live our lives to be with and to serve one another. That's really God's calling for all of us to to know him and to make him known. After his resurrection, Jesus lived, uh, well, before and after his resurrection, but um, Jesus lived in the supernatural and in the ability to do the impossible. We sang about songs like that today, that our God can do the impossible. After his resurrection, Jesus looked forward to heaven, knowing he would soon ascend there. So should we. We recognize our citizenship is in heaven, and heavenly living, again, starts right now as it is in heaven. Eternal life doesn't begin the moment we die and depart this body. Eternal life begins right now. It's actually, that's what the definition is. To know God, it says in in John 17, 3, eternal life is this, to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. It is a relationship with God. It's not just walking streets of gold, even though there's going to be beauty in the awesomeness of heaven for eternity and worshiping God before the throne room. There's, there's so much that we can think about, but it's actually, do we in a sense live in the presence of God right now? Do we live in the sense that I'm seated with him in heavenly places? I'm, I can say, God, I can come before you. I have access to the throne room of God right now when I pray, when I talk to you. That's important for us to know. My citizenship is in heaven. As believers, we are to seek the things above. In the world, the word seek marks this uh, aspiration or desire. It is a, a passion of yours to seek the things above. Is it? Is, it, is that your passion? I want to seek more of God. I want to desire. I'm passionate about it. And uh, in order to seek the things, our minds 
must be set on them more than just the things of this world. How much do you think of heavenly things compared to just your normal mundane life? How much do you think about that? Uh, it doesn't mean that earthly things are all evil, but there are many things that are. Um, even things that are harmless can be harmful if they consume our lives and they take the place of things above. So in verse 4, when it says that in Colossians 3, when it says, Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Um, what, does that, what does that really symbolize? You know, it says that I will also appear with him in glory. You know, there's some things that we cannot fully understand. But I am always seeking to know more what it looks like. God, show me more of what, who you are. Show me what it is to live a heavenly life right now. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul wrote this. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I live my life for Christ. And yes, when I die, it's going to be even better. Um, Again, if Christ is our life, we live for him and we can look forward to appearing with him in glory, whatever that looks like. But we also pray for his glory now. We pray for his presence now. We pray for miracles to happen now. We pray for his presence to happen here on earth as it is in heaven. Whether, we be, uh, whether that be in glory on the day when he returns um, or we die and we go be with him in heaven. We're closer now than ever before, I think, of his return. You know, I think about that, you know, I talk about it in just uh, different uh, people saying, you know, with uh, spy balloons and things going on. You know, you just wonder, you know, <laughs> you wonder, it's just like, God, you know, things are, things are happening, unlike we've seen before in our history. Uh, it's not just about the history of the United States. I realize that. It's bigger than that. But there is a culmination of events and earthquakes and things that we have not seen. And there's stuff happening. We need to prepare ourselves and live in such a way that he can return at any moment. We live for him and we put to death our earthly passions and evil desires that we used to live in. Again, that remains in the tomb. That used to be me. That's our testimony. Not a, that's, I say that is uh, not our residence anymore. That's our reference. You know, We don't forget about it. A lot of times we remember it, but sometimes I hear people just playing the broken record all the time. You know what records are? They're these vinyl things that... Uh, <laughs> You know, you give it a scratch and it would play over and over. Okay, so just so I understand. Hey, vinyl records are coming back. So my kids are getting record players. I'm like, that is so weird. I used to play baseball with, with records and they were probably worth something now. But uh, anyway, we put to death what belongs to our sin nature. And as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, that we're raised with Christ and we put to death those things that are contradictory to our identification in Christ. Jesus also greatly emphasized this in Matthew, uh, Matthew 16. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, and we probably all know this, but it says, 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, and whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? There's a lot of people, this is the only heaven that they'll ever have. This, this world, what does it profit if I gain everything in this world? I get the nicest stuff, the cars, you know, what possessions, material things, only to not take it with you. Only thing that we can take is our relationship with Jesus and prayerfully relationship with people. It's the only thing that we can have for eternity. Be more eternally minded. Now the verb uh, necrosate, which might be up there. Did you put that on there? Yeah. It equals to make dead. Um, and it's very strong. It suggests that we are not to simply just suppress or to control evil desires or acts and attitudes we are to completely wipe them out. They're not to even be a part of our thinking, our, our desire. We're to literally to make them dead in our lives. That I am not that person anymore. I'm going to stop doing that. It's not part of my life anymore. And we put to death in the sense of denying these things and considering them as dead to us and us dead to them. Does that make sense? They're done. I don't do that anymore. Now there has to be choices and there has to be also healing. I know there's, there's understanding of how that comes into our life because people are still struggling with you know, compulsive behaviors and addictions and things from their life and we're not saying clean up your act and then come to Jesus. I'm not saying that. But there are people that are still struggling with people, and we love them to Jesus. We don't reprimand them and judge them and shame them and say, you need to stop it, and uh, then you might be acceptable to God. No, I'm not trying to communicate that at all. That we come to Jesus, and he helps us and takes those desires away from us as we commit ourselves to him, and as we come into this relationship, and as we really truly understand that his presence, and, and Jill, you might be able to help me out in this, but she was uh, hearing this, this uh, teaching, if you will, about that you can't worry and well, in your mind. It's been scientifically proven. What, what was it? It was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm putting her on the spot. Okay. She was, she was hearing this one thing. Did, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, and, and I was thinking of that when we, in, in relation to where we are with the Lord, that when I know who I am in Christ and when I'm living in such a way that he does take our desires and, and takes even our worries and our, our concerns at the same time, that worry and gratitude... Gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist in our brain. It can't, either it's one or the other. 
I would say, I would relate that with our sin nature as well. If we are walking in, in relationship with Jesus, if, if we, uh, you know, are in this love relationship with Father God, we're just like, I don't even desire anything else. I don't, I'm not going to be pulled away by that. Because it's just like, I don't think that could exist at the same time either. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to make sense of? Um, so we put to death those things and then Paul names a number of these sinful things to put to death he's, he's going through this list that's not exhaustive by any means but several of them have to do with sexual sins and passions and lustful desires uh, then he addresses coveting and greed which is idolatry um, what is true is that Jesus would never walk in any of those sin issues himself. He did not. He lived a sinful, did not live a sinful life. Um, but so that we, when we identify with him, we won't walk with them in those things either. I'm identifying with Christ. Those things are dead to me. Um, just as Jesus lived a sinful life Change me so that you help me. And I'm going to walk in the Spirit. And it says in Galatians 5, it's not in, in my sermon today, but it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. You won't. Rather, His fruit will start to develop in your life. And you'll start to show the fruit of the Spirit rather than the fruit of our, fruit of our flesh. Very similar to this, what he's writing here in Colossians 3. Um, in verses 8 through 9, if you look at this, other areas, it talks about worldliness, also need to be removed and put to death. And Paul says we must rid ourselves of such things as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from our lips, along with remind ourselves of this when you're watching the Super Bowl later today, um, but along with lying to one another, he talks about that. Anyone feeling a little convicted by these words yet? Um, God does not give us guilt or shame or condemnation. I can assure you of that. But the Holy Spirit does bring conviction. He does bring us conviction. So we're like, yeah, that's me. That's me, Lord. And, and it says that he leads us to repentance through kindness. It says in, in Romans Chapter 2, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his love, because his love draws us to himself. And he goes, you don't need that stuff anymore. You don't. That's a false, those things are false. Those things are lies. Those things are counterfeit to what God has given us. And God hates the sin that separates us from relationship with him. James 1, verse 19 through 21, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, no, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of, that is planted in you, which can save you. And Ephesians 4 uh, says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful in building up of others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. 
Okay. Conviction, maybe. And James also talks about taming the tongue in, in James chapter five, 3, excuse me, that no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the tongue come praising and cursing, which should not be. Nor should we lie. Not only is lying one of the Ten Commandments, but lying is one of the six things the Lord hates. It says in, in Proverbs 16, and it says seven that are detestable to him, and he says bearing false witness. So there's two mentions of lying in the things that God hates. He hates lying because where does it come from? It comes from the father of lies. It says the tongue, you know that the tongue is a muscle in your body that never gets tired? <laughs> Maybe my ears get tired of hearing people's tongue, but I just like, oh, I'm so tired. My tongue is just worn out. So exhausted. I, just <laughs> I never hear that from someone. But uh, yeah. Maybe, doctor, is that true? I'm sure it is. I'm not going there with you, Greg. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> Don't correct me. Um, Colossians 3, 7, Paul is uh, reemphasizing that you used to walk in these things. Again, he said that, and then he's saying it again. You're dead. Those things used to be part of your life. Not anymore. Should not be part of the present life of a spirit-filled believer. So that's the put-off part. I hope I put you off today. But I also want to help you put on. So put you on a new man. Put on the new man. So what do we need to put on? We need to put off the old man. We must put on this new man it talks about. And the phrase Paul uh, used was commonly used for uh, changing your clothes, changing a set of clothes. And we can almost picture a person taking off the old, putting on the new garment or the new man in Christ. I'm, I'm taking off this old garbage and I'm, I'm getting a brand new set of garments. I'm wearing new clothes. And uh, because this new man is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of his creator, that it's desiring to live in this new life now that I'm, I'm passionate I'm, I'm hungry for it as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you oh God this is the the picture that I hope you can see in this this is what knowing God and knowing his word and that we are all created and who we are called and created to be and so Paul is clearly uh, alluding to Genesis 1:27 where it says God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them both male and female he created them nevertheless now that the first adam is regarded as the old man who should be put off should be discarded the sinful nature the sinful man the the old man the old adam we are now created in the image of the second Adam, which is described as Jesus. He is the second Adam. And so it's also important to know and believe, especially in our current world that is pushing for gender reassignments 
that God is the creator of gender and we are created in his image, both male and female, in our mother's womb. Not the lie that Satan would want us to choose our gender or transgender identities. It is a flat-out lie from the pit of hell. There's only male and female as God has created them in our, in our mother's womb. And to agree with anything other than that is a lie and is a mockery of God. And I call Satan out in that lie and I command it to be dead and silenced in the name of Jesus. Our world is pushing it so strong and furious and in our schools, in our ch children's public schools and universities. The beauty of what God creates is that it calls us to be who God has created us to be. Beautiful in his image. Beautiful. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's who God created you to be. You're made in his image. And the beauty of what God creates is that it calls us to oneness. It calls us to unity. The new man is part of a family which favors no race, no nationality, no class, culture, ethnicity. It only favors Jesus because in, his, in this new family, Christ is all and is in all, it says. This is the work of the new creation, not only uh, deals with the old man, and it gives us this new man patterned after Jesus Christ. It also breaks down the barrier that separates people in society. Satan wants to keep pushing uh, racial divisions and he wants to keep pushing things that cause division and separation because he hates everything that God created. Do you see? Satan can never create anything. He's not a creator. He's a distorter. He's a liar. And he always wants to kill what the enemy, what God has created in his image. So along the new creation people, it doesn't matter if one is Greek or Jew or Gentile, it's circumcised or uncircumcised, any, any names, barbarian and Scythian, Scythian or slave or free, all those barriers are broken down because Christ is all and is in all. This is pretty easy stuff. Social, economic, race, ethnicity, color, creed, slave, or free, doesn't matter in Christ. All those are broken down. Those barriers existed uh, for all time, really, but uh, especially in the ancient Roman world that Paul was addressing this to, and it still is. There's more slavery now than ever before in our world, and sex slavery, and, and so much more. It's driven by the devil himself that always wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ broke down all of these barriers of, and the walls of hostility. Especially powerful was the barrier between slave and free. But Christianity changed that all. Jesus changed that all. What does the new life and the new man look like to you? What does it look like in your life? Have you been set free from the slavery of the past that I'm no longer a slave to sin anymore, but we're called now servants of righteousness 
that I'm now living for God and I'm dedicated to him. I'm a bondservant. A bondservant was one that willfully chose to be a slave because they knew their master loves them and cares for them. So that's why Paul identified himself as a bond slave because he goes, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm a servant of Christ for the rest of my life because we have a perfect father, a good, good father, a master in heaven that loves us. And the new man refers to those chosen and called by God to represent him, and that includes you and me. We're called to put on this new clothing and clothe ourselves now with, it said in here, the same passage, clothe yourself now with compassion. Clothe yourself with humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, it says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The act of putting on Christ is on this uh, metaphorical for clothing yourself uh, is the mindset of living a spirit-led life. I am now clothed with different clothing. I'm living the spirit-led life. I need the spirit-led life in my life every day as I die to myself, as, I, as Jesus mentioned. But now I'm wanting to commit myself and say, God, fill me every day with your spirit so that you shine through and not just me, so that you can help me to love those that are sometimes unlovable. Sometimes I'm unlovable. If you could just imagine that standing in front of your closet or dresser each morning and you're choosing what you're going to wear for that day, what are you going to do today? What are you going to encounter today? It's like, you know... Okay, what am I going to, God, what should I wear today? What, should, what things am I going to do today? Um, who are the people you're going to see? What outfit and what mindset do you need to be prepared for, for that day? Do you, need to work do you need work clothes so you get dirty? Or do you need nicer clothes, a tie or no tie, something warm, your work uniform? What is it going to be? To get the kind of picture of what God I don't just live my life for myself, but I look, I, I want to glorify you wherever I'm at today. A mindset is focused, uh, and it's a focused way of seeing the world. It's like a filter we apply or a lens that we see things through, and we all have them. We all have filters. Some are good, and some can be a little distorted because of our past experiences by our hurts, uh, which can lead us to make poor judgments or become critical or jaded or have difficulty believing and trusting people because I have this dirty filter. Dr. Dan always reminds me we have this dirty filters I need to change out once every once in a while. <laughs> I was supposed to remind you this month, I think, to <laughs> change the, the furnace filter again um, so that you guys aren't choking on dust. Um, but when we can, you know, we all have these filters, and, and I want a clean filter, right? I want to be changed so that I can see things through Jesus' eyes. So I can look at someone, I'm not quick to just criticize them and go, oh, that person. <laughs> you know, we just, sometimes we do that. Hopefully not this morning. But when we consider the enormous debt, our sin that Jesus forgave us from and, and this comparatively small amount of debt people have towards us. 
by comparison. It's wrong for us not to forgive them. He talks about forgiving others as Christ forgave us. When one thinks of how Christ forgave you, it should make you more generous with forgiveness. God holds back his anger for a very long time when we sin against him. He bears with us a long time even when we provoke him. God made the first move towards us in forgiveness. God forgives us knowing that we all sin and we will sin again and sometimes in the exact same way over and over. But often we have a limit to forgiveness and patience. God's forgiveness is so complete that he grants us adoption as sons and daughters to those former offenders. God bore all the penalty for the wrong we did against him, and God keeps re- reaching out to man for forgiveness and reconciliation, even when man refuses him again and again. God has no probationary period to receive his forgiveness or limit. He offers complete forgiveness and restoration and honor, and having been completely forgiven, he then gives us his love and everything that he has. You have everything that you need for life and godliness. And he calls us to share, to testify of that same love, that same compassion, that same forgiveness with everything and everyone we know. Let me just ask you a few questions. Who is there in your life that needs an extra degree of kindness? How can you apply humility in your life today? Or in what ways can you show gentleness? Is there someone or something that you need to apply patience towards? Is there any unforgiveness in your life? And what have you asked God? What is it? And how can you forgive that person of those wrongs that they've come against you? Even if God shows you to forgive yourself, sometimes we have an easier time forgiving others more than ourselves. How can you demonstrate God's love to those you see or you'll be with today? To put on the heart of Christ is to think as he would think and act as he would act towards others. So as you put on the heart of Christ, as you clothe yourself with him today, in Christ you would come alive through, how would he come alive through you? And in your situations. And then the lastly, in those last portion, those last verses we read, 15 through 17, it says, Let the peace of Christ then rule in your hearts, since you were called to peace, and be thankful. The rule of peace means that peace should characterize the community of God's people. And peace is a standard for discerning God's will. When the Apostle Paul says, Let it rule in your hearts, the Greek word means to arbitrate. When, whenever there's a doubtful issue to be decided or choose, uh, that we choose for those things that we know make for peace. Do you have a peace about that? That's, that's how you arbitrate. You, 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 you hear from God and you go, yes, I have a peace about this. Or if I don't have a peace about this, don't do it. That's how we can see what is God's will. Let the peace of Christ judge or decide or govern in your hearts 
When a person loses his peace, it's often proof that they've lost something else that has given over to evil or something and believed somehow a lie instead, if you don't have a peace about it. All the more reason, Paul says, to not to let the message of, or the word of Christ dwell in you richly and teach it, admonish and one another towards praise and worship and thanksgiving. Um, there's nothing like the word of God. Nothing. There's no other book and it's not just stories and fairy tales. It is the word of truth. I believe it to be absolute. It's the word of God and it is his truth and we can trust in it. It does not change or sh like a shifting shadow. It is true as it was when God spoke it to men and they wrote it down as it is right now. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You also keep in perfect peace those whose minds is steadfast because they trust in you. And that's another just way of thinking that I can't have anxiety and peace at the same time. You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on you. Likewise, I encourage you to uh, daily turn and give thanks and praise to God. Daily give him thanks. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a daily prayer Jesus gave his disciples to praise and give God thanks before you even present your request to God. Give him thanks Turn on worship music in your car, your home. There's all kinds of cool apps that you can turn on worship music. There's tons of it. And as you turn off the old man and put off the old man, you put on the new man every day. We've been resurrected in a new life in Christ. The old sinful nature is dead and gone. Lord God, I thank you for those reminders today what it is to put off those old things that are buried and done and gone. But I would recognize, Lord, your resurrection power in my life. Jesus, you said, I am the resurrection and the life as you raised Lazarus from the dead. He who believes in me will never die. And that new life, and that eternal life starts with saying yes. Yes to you, Jesus. And I do that again and again every day that I live for you. I take up my cross, I die to my flesh, and I live for you, and I ask your Holy Spirit to empower me, to give me your fruit, to put on these new clothes, this new identity in Christ. I live today as it is in heaven, and Lord, may we be changed by your presence to be representations of you wherever we go, that people may see the light of Jesus in us, and we may act with compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience and forgiving one another and giving thanks to you because you deserve all the glory. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy, and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you, and if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at PolsonFoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.